0: This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWays Explore the Bible adult resources. So if you are new to our podcast, I'll just share with you what we will go through today. Each week we review the Bible passage for that week's study. We examine questions that teachers may face, and then we give teaching tips along the way. This winter, we're studying the second half of the book of Genesis. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Mike Livingston. Mike serves as an editor on our Explore the Bible team. In fact, Mike, I think you're the longest tenured editor on our team. Is that right?
1: I Yes, I think I am. I'm in my 31st year, Yes.
0: Thirty-one years. Thirty-one years.
1: Not all thirty-one years on the Explore the Bible team, uh, but thirty-one years as an editor of uh, Bible studies at Lifeway. Life.
0: That whole time, you have done curriculum for adults.
1: Yes, different different curriculum lines, but yeah.
0: That's what I thought. That is a lot of experience and knowledge, and so we're we're grateful for you uh, for what you create for our groups and for being here today. Uh, So today we're looking at session one, uh, which is a study of Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. In this passage, so I'll give just a brief overview. In this passage, Moses is recounting God's testing of Abraham. So the Lord commanded Abraham to take Isaac, his beloved son, to a mountain that the Lord would show him and to offer him as a burnt offering. Early the next morning, Abraham gathered the wood that would be needed, and he began his journey to Moriah, along with two servants, plus, of course, Isaac. After three days, the men arrived near the mountain. Abraham directed his servants uh, to remain behind, and only he and Isaac proceeded on. So Isaac carried the wood for the burnt offering, while Abraham carried the fire and the knife. And when asked about a lamb for the sacrifice, because Isaac did ask, Abraham told him that God would provide. When Abraham and Isaac arrived at the designated location, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood. And then he laid Isaac on top of the wood. As Abraham took the knife to kill Isaac, the angel of the Lord called out and told Abraham not to harm the young man. The angel declared that God knew that Abraham feared him since he was willing to sacrifice his only son. So at that point, Abraham noticed a ram caught in the thicket. He took the ram. He offered it as a burnt offering in the place of Isaac. He renamed the mountain Jehovah-Jireh or the Lord will provide. The substitutionary ram foreshadowed Jesus's sacrificial death on the cross. Centuries later, it's a powerful passage, and maybe a familiar one to your group. Our overall summary statement for this whole session is: God provides the means for salvation. So that's just a quick overview of what of what we will study today, um, or what we'll study this week in our Bible study groups. Uh, and we want to also spend a little time on some questions that you as a group leader, not you, Mike, but as our listeners, as group leaders, questions that you may face as you're preparing uh, or even in your group, questions that your group members may, may bring up uh, so that we can kind of help you be prepared to answer those questions. So our first question has to deal with the mountain. So, Mike, what is the significance of the mountain's name? And how would that have challenged or encouraged people in Abraham's day?
1: Yeah, you, as, you've reviewed um, what the passage is about, um, and and so the key the key point here is that as Abraham lifted that knife, you know, in his hand, he lifted that knife to to to, to slay Isaac. The Lord called out, Abraham, Abraham, and. Abraham said, here am I. And he looked up and there was a ram caught in the thicket by the thorns. And so he offered that ram. It says he offered that ram as a burnt offering in the place of his son. He offered the ram in the place of his son and named the place the Lord will provide. Now, if you've ever done a study of the names of God, then you have heard Jehovah Jireh. Yes. That's, that's the Hebrew here is Jehovah Jireh which literally mean, it means the Lord sees. It, it's the, that, the, the Hebrew word can be uh, he sees or he provides. And th- those two ideas are not s- separate ideas. I mean, those are connected ideas. Uh, it's, uh, Abraham was saying here, you, you, you've seen this need of mine and you've provided for it. He sees and he provides. Um, so the significance, and there's so much so much significance in what's happening right here this the idea of a substitutionary sacrifice I mean that's key to understanding mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 foundational for the whole Old Testament sacrificial system and you remember you know the like uh, Leviticus 16 the day of atonement once a year when the priest laid his hands on the animal and symbolically put all the people's sins on on the head of the animal and then sent the animal away away into the wilderness. I mean, th- this is the foundation for that. Um, by the way, second Chronicles three, one tells us that centuries later, centuries after this, this, this was the place on Mount Moriah where Solomon built the temple. I mean, this was the location centuries later where sacrifices were made for the atonement of sin. So <laughs> this passage is just it, it lays the foundation for understanding the Old Testament system of sacrifice, but so much more than that. Um, you know, wh- what do we need to do with this passage as we teach this on Sunday? What, what we need to do here is make a beeline to the cross because that's what this mm-hmm. points to. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like the ram, Jesus was our substitute who, who took our place, he took the full punishment for, um, for the, you know, that we deserved for our sins. You know, that great passage in Second Corinthians 5.21, where Paul said that God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our sins by dying in our place, mm-hmm. and in exchange, we receive his righteousness. So th- this, this passage we're studying is, is so foundational and so key, and we have... Um, in this passage, uh, such a wonderful evangelistic opportunity to present the gospel, because there's there's so much gospel here that I I hope that we don't miss this opportunity.
0: That's right. To talk
1: about Jesus as our substitute.
0: That's right. You know that makes me think a lot of people maybe don't spend as much time in the Old Testament because they think they don't know enough of the Mm -hmm. history and kind of the context and the background. And so they really lean a little bit more into the New Testament. But this is an excellent example Mm -hmm. of how it absolutely connects to the New Testament and it shows the Lord's plan from the very beginning. So substitutionary sacrifice, such a poignant picture of Jesus. So, yeah, that's good. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this passage, three times Abraham says, "Here I am." What can we take away from this part of his character?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you're asking that question uh, because that uh, that here I am or here am I? Uh, that's one of my favorite biblical words. That's like that's one word in Hebrew. Uh, it's it's the word hineni, Um If you were to write it out, it'd be H-I-N-E-N-I, pronounced Hineni. Um, It's one of my favorite words in all the Bible. And um, so Abraham uses it more than once. Um, In verse one, when the Lord called to him, Abraham, Abraham responded with this Hineni, like, here am I. And then the Lord um, told him, take your son and offer him as a burnt offering. And then, as he, as Isaac was on the altar, you know, and Abraham is is pre- preparing to to kill Isaac, the, the angel of the Lord calls out, "Abraham, Abraham!" And Abraham again replies, "Here am I." Um, but there, he's not. The, Abraham is not the only one to to use this uh, word or to say this, respond to God with with this, "Here am I." You think about some other examples. You know, I can I can think of six people in the Bible, six men in the Bible, five in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament who said, here am I, to God. When God calls, they said, here am I. So Abraham was one, Jacob was one, in chapter 31 of Genesis. Moses, yet you know, Moses, um, uh, when God called out to him from the burning bush, how did Moses respond? Here am I. Isaiah, uh, or rather, I, I, I miss Samuel. Samuel was one when he was sleeping in the temple and he heard the Lord call in 1 Samuel 3. And then Isaiah, maybe the most, um, most well-known maybe is Isaiah, when the Lord says, who, who will I send, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And in the, in the New Testament, Ananias in Acts nine also responded with a, with a here am I. But in every instance, I mean, all of the, in all of those instances that I named here, saying here am I, here I am, is so significant. Um, because in each case, what it meant and what the word means is, Lord, you have my attention. You, you have my full attention. And I am t- entirely focused on, on whatever, whatever it is you want me to do. And every time it's said to God, every, every time a person says this to God, here am I, there's a turning point in that person's life. It's a decisive moment when someone's life is about to change. When you think about that, I mean think about the the best examples would be Moses at the burning bush when when he said, Here am I. I mean, his life drastically changed, right? Or Isaiah when he said, Here am I. Um, and when God called Abraham's name, and Abraham said, Here am I, he said it. Notice that he said it with no hesitation. I mean, there's there's no hesitation on his part, even though he had no idea what's about to happen or what's going to come next or what God is going to ask of him. So when in that first verse of Genesis um, 22, when the Lord says, Abraham, like the response is you have my full attention. Um, I am entirely focused on what, and whatever it is you want to say to me or whatever it is you want me to do. So in, in effect, Abraham was putting his yes on the table before he totally knew what was about to follow, what what, what he knew would follow. So every time we say, Lord, here am I, we're putting our yes to God on the table without knowing everything that that might mean. And that's what Abraham was doing. And every other man who said it in the scripture, here am I, you're putting your yes on the table. I don't know what that means yet, but you have my yes. And I I love, there's a question in the, in our personal study guide this week, there's this question, how are those words, here am I evident in your life? Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. a good question.
0: It is. Okay. That word, hineni, H-I-N-E-N-I, am I saying that correctly? Yes. 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 That's so good. What a challenge. Are we are we ready to say that? So as you were mm-hmm. explaining all of that, your answer to that question, in my mind I thought, okay, so pastors today would probably say is my yes on the table. I've heard I've heard that in preaching, in sermons. Mm-hmm. And so then right. when you said it, I thought, that's exactly what I was thinking. So, um, yeah. but Henani, yeah. I love that. Okay. So in our next, this is a really, this next question is one that I feel like uh, maybe anyone new to scripture might have, because it this could be a little bit of a confusing passage to someone who is new to studying scripture and maybe, maybe new to understanding kind of how God works and what he's doing here. Like why on earth would he say, go and sacrifice your son? So here's the question. If God never really intended Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, why did he ask Abraham to do it?
1: And that is an excellent question. And and we are right in saying God never intended Abraham to do this. Uh, let like this, this affirm that. I mean, because God never intended Abraham to do this. The scripture teaches us that God abhors human sacrifice. So that was never never the intention. So, I mean, it's a very good question to ask. Now, okay, then why? And And I've... I've heard so many different uh, possibilities or or explanations here uh, that it was to test Abraham's faith. It was to present a picture of what faith means or what faith looks like. It was to give us an example of obedience. Um, It was to reveal God as Jehovah Jireh which it did, I mean, it did, it did do that, right? And, and it's always a good question to ask of any text. So what does this tell us about God? And so, you know, what does this tell us about him? Um, or or it's, it was to foreshadow um, God's sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And, my, and I think there's truth in all of those answers. I think all of, all of those answers contain, you know, the, the truth. Um, the, the text itself specifically tells us what God's purpose was in verse 12 of Genesis 22. um, He says, for now, I know that you fear God. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: God says that now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Uh, And we could say, we could say, well, well, didn't God already know that? If God knows everything, wouldn't God have already known that? Yes. Um, God, of course, God, because he's God, he knew ahead of time what Abraham was going to do. But, you know, God wants us to act out our faith. He wants us to act out our worship. He wants us to live out our worship. That's, you know, that's what, He wants us to pray, even though he knows what we're going to say in our prayers. He wants us to pray. Yeah. Right? He wants us to worship him. Even though he knows how we feel about him, he wants us to worship him. The Bible teaches us over and over that God wants us to to demonstrate our faith, to, to act out our faith. There's something... Um, Something that I recently learned about this passage, or I don't know, maybe I've just been reminded of it here as I was been studying this passage, is that this was not the first test of Abraham's faith. Abraham had tests before this when like when God um, called him to leave everything. You know, Abraham. Abraham has had to demonstrate his faith in the past, but what he, what God is calling him to do here, goes way beyond anything God has called him to do in the past. Mm-hmm. This is going to test his relationship to God, unlike anything else. So, in Genesis 12, when God called him to leave his family, leave his relatives, his his home, and, and go to you know go to a place I'm going to show you. You don't know where I'm go- leading you yet, but you're going to go there. And so, uh, Abraham he obeyed but in that situation there was something in it for abraham i mean he had to give up something but there was a promise that he's going to receive something even better descendants land you know there was something to lose in obeying god and demonstrating his faith there was something to lose but there was more to gain right he was getting something greater than he had before so so, so obedience we can say well obedience in that sense and that example just made sense. Here, in Genesis 22, what was there to gain? Nothing. I mean, all the promises that God had made to Abraham were wrapped up in Isaac, in his son. So killing his son was like, it's killing the prom- all the promises, because all the promises were wrapped up in that. So if Abraham obeys God here, what is there to gain? absolutely nothing so what was his motivation in obeying god it was not that he could get something out of it there was nothing that he's going to get out of this but he demonstrates that he's willing to give up everything because god is worth it because god is god so he's doing this not to get something out of it there's he's i mean what 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 is he getting out of it he's 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 demonstrating his uh His relationship with God. I mean, this this was testing his relationship with God, unlike anything else uh, that he had ever experienced.
0: And, and personally, heartbreaking. You said, "What would he gain?" I thought, "Well, he would gain some heartbreak because mm-hmm. it's his son." um yeah. yeah. So, I instead of revealing, I think some people might say, "Gosh, this this passage it shows a picture of a cruel God, but it doesn't. It reveals." When, when you get to the end of the story, you see, oh no, it reveals a God who, who provides Jehovah Jireh. It is, it's not a. It,
1: it, yeah. It reveals Jehovah Jireh yeah. who sees our need and provides yeah. for our need. Yeah.
0: Okay. And last question. And this is a really good one. Um, this is discussed in, uh, I believe it's the leader guide. Why was Abraham confident that both he and Isaac would return? And we see that in verse five.
1: Yeah, he was confident. I mean, you, yeah, you do. Verse 5 is where you see that. And I think um, just, to, just to give you a short, simple answer, um, I, I think Hebrews answers that question. Hebrews 11 answers it. Hebrews 11, 17 and following. It says, by faith, uh, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises and yet he was offering his one and only son the one to him whom it had been said your offering will be traced through isaac in other words what he's saying so far there is that all of god's promises are tied up in isaac just like we were saying all of god's promises are are in isaac and then it says in hebrews eleven nineteen. then it says but he considered god, abraham considered god to be able to raise even raise someone from the dead therefore he received him back, figuratively speaking. Abr- it says in Hebrews that Abraham believed God could provide by raising, even by raising Isaac from the dead. That, that's, there's the biblical answer to that question. Why was mm-hmm. he confident mm-hmm. that he and Isaac could return? Because Ab- Abraham reckoned that if God was able to give him this son, Isaac, in the first place through a miraculous birth, then God could certainly give him back to him again by raising him from the dead. Mm-hmm. So Abraham believed that not not even death could prevent God from fulfilling his promise through Isaac. Like mm-hmm. he's, He believes in the promises of God regardless of the circumstances.
0: Talk about a challenging passage to, number one, understand and get through some of those questions of why is this happening and why would he do this? Uh, To then realize, oh, do I I have the same kind of faith? (laughs) Would I willingly do that? Uh, So each week we try to highlight uh, a teaching idea, uh, either something creative or something that's already listed in the Explore the Bible resources that we think this would be a really good one to use and to advance your conversation with your group this week in the leader guide also it's also found if you have quick source it's found there it's also found in the teaching plan of the daily discipleship guide there's a qr code you click it uh, and it will pop up a short video that describes the patriarchs and kind of gives a little background information on that super helpful just additional it's just a bonus a little bonus piece for you as the teacher as you prepare to lead your group this week Well, thank you for listening today. If you have comments or questions, you are welcome to send me an email at amber.vaden at lifeway.com. Mike, thank you for being here today to discuss our very first lesson uh, in this study of the second half of Genesis. No, you're welcome. Well, we always appreciate having you with us. So next week we have uh, Bill Craig coming to join us. He'll discuss Genesis chapter 24, uh, parts of that chapter. He is a veteran. He's been on this podcast a lot. Always interesting. always, Always brings good insight. So we hope you'll join us next week.